So I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Barnabas. I uh, tend to be a very positive person. And I tend to be uh, someone who sings when I am um, in a very good mood. And so I tend to sing a lot, and I'm, I'm kind of known. I, I do it unconsciously. I don't purposely do it. It just kind of comes out. Uh, just letting you know that about me. So oftentimes when I'm up here preaching, I'll share with you testimonies of the victories, you know, and to encourage you. But I, I got to thinking on the drive-in this morning that I uh, don't necessarily constantly share the battles that I go through. And so it may uh, tend to give you a picture that all I have are these sweet victories and then the rest of the week uh, everything is just uh, flowery. And then so you look at it and you go, wow, I wish one day to be like Pastor Mar Matt and uh, be able to just live in victory all the time and never have any problems and uh, just have great testimonies and, and you know, not, so I decided that I just wanted to share you just a little snippet of the daily stuff that goes on and uh, just to kind of give you an idea, not so that you go, oh, poor, poor guy, uh, or not that you go, uh, why is he complaining, um, or any other reaction, but just kind of to give you an idea that we do walk through, I, uh, we walk through stuff on a regular basis. And sometimes it is overwhelming, sometimes it is discouraging, but uh, what we have learned, and part of what I'll be preaching on today, is uh, choosing to look for the victory of Jesus in the situation. And so, uh, in the middle of the situation, eventually coming to the point where, okay, Jesus, uh, the, yeah, I'm upset, I'm discouraged, but there's got to be a victory here, and I'm going to choose to look at it. You know, David said in the book of Psalms, why are you downcast, O my soul? Well, that means that his soul was downcast. And finally, he had to pick himself up by his bootstraps a little bit and encourage himself and begin to say, okay, David, let's put our trust in the Lord and, and see what he has to say about this. So... Uh, I don't want to go through the whole year, but in the last year, it's been a, it's been a difficult, trying, uh, troublesome year. And so beginning in March of last year, uh, you know, uh, went home and uh, right, my mom says to me, you know, one of the things I want to do before I die is uh, I want to start this nonprofit. And I want to give you $10,000 to start this nonprofit. Would you be willing to do that? Because the Lord told me to do this, and I was not faithful to get it done, and I want to do it before, my, before I die. And of course, none of us knew that she was sick. So we all said, you know, Mom, don't, yeah, sure, I'll help you, but, you know, that's crazy talk. We don't need to talk about dying. Well, then she died like 10 days later because she was, had like stage four, stage five cancer, uh, and nobody knew it, and she didn't want to tell any of us type, type thing. So, uh, so in the month of March, I had my mom pass away suddenly. In addition to starting a nonprofit and going through in the background, figuring out how to start a 501c3 and get things up to date and get a QuickBooks set up and all the back-end stuff that goes with a nonprofit, uh, that was going on. Um, figured out it was best for us to sell the church van. And I had been driving the church van because we were short a vehicle and it was a real blessing to me, but we needed to sell it. It was a better deal for the church. So we got rid of the church van. So I needed to come up with a vehicle. Uh, we went through, um, I, I needed a crown put in and I waited two years to be able to afford to put a crown on my tooth. But I had the money, so I got the crown put in at the same time as I'm buying the car suddenly that I need. In addition to that, it was the whole vaccine debate was going on. And we were fairly divided as to whether the vaccine was of God or not of God and uh, how to lead out in the midst of that and should I get the vaccine or should I not get the vaccine in the midst of the whole mask debate that went on. Might have been different for you guys, you know, because you had your own personal opinions, but I was dealing with the personal opinions of 183 people and trying to figure out how to keep us in unity and how to lead us through the mask thing, whether or not, you know, from the far end of if you wear a mask, you don't have faith, to if you don't wear a mask, you have no love. Two extremes, and both are valid arguments to some extent, but finding that middle ground to lead people in it. So that was going on in the background. 
My siblings, I have six of them, decided it was best to just liquidate mom's estate and and take care of dad because dad had Parkinson's really bad and needed care. So uh, we went through that whole process in April of May of liquidating all of mom's stuff. And mom was uh, an antique dealer for all of her life. And the house was completely full. Literally, rooms upstairs were packed. And it was all boxes of some of it good, some of it antique, some of it just... She decided to buy coffee filters one day at the dollar store and had a box of coffee filters type stuff. In the middle of it, some of it, sometimes there were uh, silver coins in a bag buried uh, inside of a container of junk, you know, and you had to dig through everything. So they were dealing with that. I was going back and forth to Illinois to deal with her sales. Uh, Vika broke her ankle at, a, at her first softball tournament uh, up in Nebraska while I was in Illinois. So Jill, uh, you know, they took him to the emergency room. Yes, it's going to need surgery. So I had to figure out with our health insurance, we have a high deductible health insurance, how we're going to pay for the uh, $3,000 deductible because, you know, the surgery ended up costing $35,000, you know, but our deductible was $2,800 for Vika and where we could do it because we have a restrictive policy. So that was going on in early June, May 30th through June 3rd, because it was, uh, she broke it May 30th, surgery was June 3rd. It was an immediate, you know. I was in Illinois, came back May 30th or 31st, drove back from Illinois, and then it was a couple days later, we were driving her over to Columbia, Missouri to get her surgery. So that's all going on in the midst of everything else that's going on in this, you know. I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to complain. This was just, this is just norm, okay? Uh, in the midst of this, Maddie's, my other daughter who's down in college, is calling and saying, hey, I- I've got to take these classes this summer. Uh, classes start June 10th. I owe $3,000 and the loans, there isn't enough loans to pay it. I need to come up with $3,000. Basically, I need to come up with $3,000. <laughs> You know, because she's just a college student working. So um, how do I come up with $3,000 with a week's notice, you know? And um, whew. and then the, I'm, I'm getting myself anxious just talking about some of this stuff. I guess I have a little bit of PTSD with it. Uh, at the same time, the church was going through a bankruptcy. I don't know if you remember that or not. We, this was in the middle of it, and we were near the end of it. We've been trying to get it settled and finished since January. Well, this is June. And in June, we get a letter stating that because we had failed to file the document on time, they were going to, there was a motion to dismiss the entire bankruptcy, and we would have just gone back to, like it would have been canceled, and we would have had to start over. So that was going on in the month of June, and we were running uh, to try to figure out how to communicate to our lawyer and to, just to get it done, to get it communicated, just the pressure of that. And that's just uh, March, April, May, and June. And I'm not even mentioning a bazillion other things that um, just were pressure. Now, I tell you this again to tell you, one, I need your prayer, because I mean, all of us go through this, and I'm sure you go through, you could probably stand up here and tell your own stories. So I tell you this not so that you feel sorry for me, but that you understand that when I preach what I'm about to preach, it doesn't come from a place of I play golf all week long and find a pair of $500 sunglasses at, uh, and just luck out and, you know, and all the really cool, fun things that I get to tell you about. It comes from a place of fighting battles all week long and learning how to stand with Jesus, dealing with stress in our marriage, dealing with stress in our family, dealing with financial stress. Right now, uh, right now, our dishwasher doesn't work. Our water heater is working halfway and our refrigerator has stopped making ice. And I'm, I will get all three of those done. I'm just waiting for our inheritance because after my dad died, I do have a significant inheritance that's going to wipe out a good portion of our debt because we've put on about $10,000 of credit card debt in the last year just with all the crises we've had to deal with. So it'll take care of uh, the majority of our debt, but there's some hiccups with the paperwork and it may be six to nine months. So I'm just, you know, it's just all these things. These are all the little plates. So when you come up and I look a little dazed. There's just a lot of plates spinning back here that I'm, I'm trying to, but I do absolutely love and care for you, absolutely, because I feel the love of Jesus for you. And I know he has victory, and that's what I stand on, and that's what I confess, the victory of Jesus that brings us into breakthrough. 
And that's what I want to share with you this morning. But first, amen, amen, thank you. But first, I need to tell a couple jokes, just to lighten the mood just a little bit, okay? Woo! On a praise note, I, our daughter should be graduating, our oldest daughter should be our first one to graduate from college on May 6th. So we're excited to celebrate with her for her college degree. So jokes, okay. Now these aren't me, these are jokes, okay? So if I tell them in first person, it's not actually me. <laughs> They're not as fun in third, yeah. Well, first I'll start off with Vika's absolute favorite joke that I've ever told to her. What is the last thing that goes through a bug's mind as it hits the windshield of a car? It's rear end. Wow, okay, well, we'll, we'll try another one then. Right, she is 16, All right, she's my youngest. <clears throat> So this man has a twin brother who uh, tends to get into trouble. And the twin brother called him from jail after he was arrested for disorderly conduct. And the twin brother says to him, you know how we have that thing where we finish each other's sentences? I thought that was pretty good. That was very creative. Jokes are creative. Okay. Last one, this just reminded me of a, of a, a good, you keep this one for your, when you're interviewing for a job. This is for a sales job. So I was at a job interview today when the manager handed me his laptop and said, I want you to try and sell this laptop to me. So I put it underneath my arm and I left the building and went home. Eventually, he called me back and said, bring back my laptop now. And I said, sure, 500 bucks and it's yours. <laughs> Creative selling. He made his point. He could sell it. You just have to motivate the customer the right way, right? Oh, bless the Lord. Okay, why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. Mm. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday and the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem right before he died uh, on Friday or Thursday or Friday and then rose a dead on Sunday morning. So we are celebrating the, the pinnacle of what Jesus went through to redeem us. This is all leading up to that last week where he walks out um, the salvation of the world. So Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 7, it says, Then they brought the donkey and the colt that Jesus had requested, and they put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them, and most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them all over the road. So it was this humongous parade, and everyone was involved with it. The, the crowd was very excited about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. They probably figured he was coming into his full kingship in the physical sense and was going to uh, get rid of the Romans. And so in their imagination, this was the victory of Jesus. They were excited. And, and the crowd that went before him and that followed him, so you got a bunch of people in front of him, a bunch of people probably around him and behind him, and they're all shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, man, who is this? Who's creating this Big of a commotion. Who is everyone excited about? What's the rush, the cultural rush? Everybody get on Instagram, get on Twitter, find out what's going on. And the crowd answered, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee. This is Jesus. 
So the crowd's like super excited and they were celebrating and they had understood and recognized Jesus. Which means that they saw and confessed who Jesus was. I mean, this is here celebrating Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. So they saw, recognized who Jesus was, they had seen what he had done, and they were confessing how awesome it is. That's the level of a crowd. That's the place that we can walk in. But we have to go further than that because being in the crowd isn't enough to have Jesus actually get in your life and change you and bring you into victory on a regular basis. This is just following the wave of what's going on. See, Jesus wants a relationship. He just doesn't want surfers of what he does. Enjoying the waves with our little blow-up circle donut things. There we go. Got it, John. Thank you. He wants us in personal relationship with him. In John chapter 1, great verse, you can turn over there, John 1. Bless you, Lord. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were formed through him. Remember, God spoke. And without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the source of all, as the word of God. In him was life, verse 4, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I don't know if you noticed or not, we sang today that one song, you give life, you bring light, you hide in the darkness, whatever the rest of the words were. I should have written down all the words there, but. Jesus is that light because Jesus is the word and the word is light which shines in the darkness. People see the light, people recognize the light, but the light isn't just for the outside to see and enjoy. The light is from the, gets into the inside and we walk it out. It changes our lives, changes our directions, and then we begin to speak it into our areas around us. That's really what I want to focus in on today. So if you'll turn to the scripture that I'm going to stay on, that is the book of 1 John. 1 John is right before Revelations. It's Jude, John 3, John 2, John 1. So 1 John chapter 1. I want to show you how to move forward what God intends to walk in victory so that when things happen in your lives... I should say not when, as things happen in your lives, you can react to them, not as the crowd following every wave, but as someone who has the wave inside of him and is speaking and influencing what's going on around them. John 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we write these things so that our joy may be complete. Now this is one of those verses that's a lot like uh, Romans 7, that it's like, wow, I, it, it sounds like a word salad, or like a political answer, a politician answering a question where by the end of it, you're like, I have no idea what they just said. I just know they said something, you know? 
And so I want to break it down and I want to explain these verses to you so that you understand what John is writing here. So in the beginning, in this first verse, he's really talking to the status of a crowd. Those who are outside, who see and recognize what Jesus is doing, and ride the waves, the social waves of, yay, Jesus, way to go, but it isn't inside yet. Okay? He said, that which was from us from the beginning, we heard it, we have seen it with our eyes, we looked upon it, and we've touched it with our hands. So we've heard it, we've seen it, we've looked upon, and we've touched. Those four words are basically what happens when you are on the outside looking in. And if your Christianity is at this phase, there is a lot more that Jesus has for you, and it's a personal, deep relationship with Him. So we've heard about it, we've seen it personally. So that's a stage itself right there. I mean, we hear about the things that God does, but when you begin to see it personally, I've seen what God has done before my eyes. I've seen someone healed before my eyes. I've not only heard testimonies of healing, I have seen someone healed right in front of me. I've looked upon, and that means to like dwell on and to meditate on. So not only have I heard about it and seen it, but I've thought about it. Wow, you know. God is a healer. God is a liberator. God is a provider. I've thought about these things in my head. I've wondered about them. Maybe even I've touched it or seen it modeled in front of me. But that's still on the outside. Because you can experience all these things but not have them in your own life. And that's where Jesus doesn't want us to say to stay. Because the Word of God came forth to get into us and to change us so that the Word of God comes out of us. The light of God just doesn't shine on the outside of us. The light of God wants to get inside of us and shine through us. So the crowd here, John says, we've been in the crowd. We've been in the crowd. who We were there when Jesus entered Jerusalem. We were all excited. We had a fleshly outside mindset. We thought he was coming into his physical kingship, and we were going to be in one of the other six uh, thrones that were on his right hand and six thrones on his left hand. We were going to be up there judging the nation of Israel and kicking out the Romans with him. They were, that's the way they related. And you can see we do the same thing today when we hear the truth of the Lord, but it isn't in us, and we just have this physical representation of what it's going to mean in our lives. Well, it means Jesus is going to give me a good job. I'm going to have a good job, and I'm going to drive a Corvette. Because Jesus blesses. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can tell that lady off in the full power of the Lord Jesus, you know. We get in this really fleshly outside, but it isn't internal, internalized and isn't changing who we are. So you see, the second is when it gets inside here. John talks about it, verse 2. And the life, no longer just seen it, but the life was made manifest, and we've seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. So you see here the four things that you can underline if you want to here, is that they saw the life. They saw the life. It was manifested. I'm sorry, forget the manifest. They testified it to it. I apologize. They saw it. it was, they testified to it. They proclaimed it. And then it was manifest. It was made manifest. So the life which was there, which was Jesus appearing before them, when they saw it, it became personal revelation to them. Not just something they saw that had happened. Well, Jesus healed that person. But they began to see Jesus is my healer. Jesus is the healer, and that includes me. They get personal revelation. And then they begin to testify about it. Now, to testify, this word is barter. 
It's the same word in Acts 1.5. And you shall receive the Holy Spirit upon you, and you will become my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea, and the innermost parts of the world. So it, the word martyr in the Greek means to die for your faith, or it means to be a witness in a court case. So it's basically not just dying, or the reason it has the connotation of dying for your faith, it is you're proclaiming with everything you have that you believe in Jesus and you're willing to die for it. That's why we get the word martyr. But really it's about testifying to what you have experienced. And that's why they translate it here in English to testify. So not only do I know Jesus is a healer, Jesus is the healer. Jesus is my healer. I can testify that I had problems in this area and the Lord touched me and healed my physical body. Or I had problems in my soul because like me personally, like I was molested. And so I had problems in my soul because of that. And the Lord revealed to me that he is able to heal that area and he healed that area. And that area does not dictate who I am as a man anymore. Hasn't for decades. I'm not on the crowd looking in. I'm not saying, wow, there's the word, there's the light. I am, the word is real and alive in me. The light of Jesus is in me and shines in every little area of my being. And then after I'm testifying, man, I'm proclaiming it like crazy. My greatest opportunity to proclaim it is Sunday mornings, but also I have opportunities at other times to uh, individually talk to people and say, hey, you know, I, I hear you. Let me speak to you who Jesus is. Let me proclaim to you not just what you've seen, but what I've experienced and who he is in my life. Yeah, I had problems. I've gone through kind of a sucky year. But you know what? Jesus is still on the throne and He is able to provide. He has faithfully come through. He has miraculously provided in ways that I did not imagine. He's done things that blew my mind. He gave away. I had $40,000 of debt that He wiped out. In one moment, He just said, they, they just said, you know what? We're just going to forgive all this. Whoop! It was gone. So yeah, I have experienced difficulty at the same time. I know that I know that I know that Jesus is alive. And that's where he wants you to be. So that as you're facing the difficulties that you face, you get the revelation of who Jesus is. You begin to walk in victory and testify. This is what I've seen Jesus do in my life. You begin to get louder and proclaim it from the rooftops. Jesus is alive. And lastly, it is manifested. It is walked out on a day-to-day -day basis. You keep going even when different problems pop up. You don't give up. You trust the Lord, and you move forward. And you say, Jesus, today is the day that I'm going to see you manifest yourself in front of me and in my life. James 1.6 has this wonderful little verse here that we probably love, but at the same time, we're like, wow, I wish it wasn't that way. James 1.6 says, but let him who asks in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. On the outside, that crowd, they're just full of doubt. Because every wave that comes through, they just follow it. This week, yay, Jesus. Next week, kill him, crucify him. Yay, Jesus, crucify him. Just whatever social wave there is, we just ride the wave. That's not what we are called to do as believers, as followers of Christ, as uh, in relationship with Him. And so we've learned to manifest and to walk this out. I'm not saying that in the middle of all these, all these problems or the problems that you face in your life that you just go from victory to victory. Oh, another thing broke. Oh, praise the Lord. Another problem. Yay. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's just fake. The reality is, oh, Lord Jesus, what's the problem? You know, what am I doing wrong? Okay, I'll shut up. 
Okay, I'll listen. Okay, I'll change my attitude. Yes, Lord. Okay, I can begin to see now. I, yep, okay, I'm getting the hope. Yep, okay. Forgive me, Lord, for doubting that you're not able. Okay, yes, Lord. Okay, I'm going to walk in. I'm going to begin to declare until I see the victory. And then, bam, my knees get taken out from underneath me. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I thought I had the victory. Whoo, Lord, I'm just tired of having to stand back up again. Another day, Lord. Oh, whoo, Jesus, help me, Lord. I just, I just quit. I just quit. <laughs> I just quit, Lord. You can ask somebody else to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be this. You know, I don't want to have to deal with this dishwasher. Can I just set it on fire? No, okay, I can't. <laughs> I can't set it on fire. You know, give me the strength, Lord. And then you correct your attitude. You get back with Jesus and you stop doubting and you keep doing that until when the problem comes in that area, you're like, oh, it's a problem. Oh, hey, Jesus, look. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Okay, great. Thanks. And maybe a different area takes your knees out from underneath you and gets you back on your knees where you're praying. But that little area no longer bothers you anymore. Oh, it's a bill. I can remember when the Lord spoke to me about trusting Him for my finances. This was back in 92, and I had been a missionary. I had gone through the whole uh, raise support, and I'm, I'm not, I wasn't the best at, uh, uh, I didn't really like myself at that time, so it's awful hard to sell yourself when you don't like yourself. And so as a missionary, you have to sell yourself because you want people to believe in what you're doing so that they will give if you're going to be effective that way. That's the way you raise your money. So I was not good at that. And so uh, I was starving, living on the mission field, and I read some great books uh, about Robert Mueller, um, The Life of Prayer and The Intercessor, and some other ones that just inspired me to trust the Lord. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to ask for finances anymore. I'm just going to ask you. And I made that decision. And as soon as I made that decision, man, my finances went to complete pot and totally disappeared. But when that happened, I can remember when I called, I call, we had to call the state, we had to order a phone call to the United States, and then they would uh, call you back and say, we're ready to put you through, you know, like where they're plugging in the wires. This is 1992, in the former Soviet Union. And uh, the lady answers, and I said, hey, this is Matt, I'm calling to find out how much finances I made in this month of October, you know, how much can I go to Moscow and get out of the bank? Because you didn't want to overdraft, you know. <clears throat> and she goes, oh. And I said, oh, uh, uh, what? <laughs> and she said, well, actually, you owe us $10. <laughs> and I just started laughing. Because I realized, you know, Lord, yeah, okay, you've been setting me up to trust you, and now you've provided a perfect opportunity for me to trust you in this area. And I'm like, wait, what are you going to do, Lord? I am looking forward to seeing how you're going to figure this one out. I had been at that place now, I had grown to that place where I was not riding the waves of doubt in that area. I was trusting the Lord, and it didn't bother me. When I lost my job, I understood. When I got laid off, fired, and I needed a paycheck in three weeks to continue to meet our mortgage and everything. This was in 2008, December of 2008. I lost my job December 5th of 2000, or December 8th of 2008, and I got hired as an associate pastor a small senior pastor at um, December 5th. But anyway, uh, the same thing the Lord told, spoke to me and said, are you going to trust me? And I was like, yes. <laughs> this is a little bit, you know, as a missionary, I'm all by myself. I don't have anybody to care about. You know, if I, if I only eat bread or whatever, it's fine. But when you have a wife and three kids, it's a little bit harder. And then a car note and a mortgage note, it's a little bit harder, you know, you know. Uh, to, to walk that faith. And he said, are you going to trust me? Because I wasn't surprised by what happened. And I was like, right. Oh, yeah, that's true. You weren't, were you? I was surprised, but you weren't surprised. I was surprised that I got fired, laid off, permanently laid off. I was very surprised by it and offended, but he, he wasn't surprised, so I guess I can't be offended. So I just said, okay, Lord, lead me. And it's, we went on this five-year journey where I totally learned a bunch of things about being a man and trusting him and how to run a business and how to make a payroll and 
uh, how to sell myself and sell the product that I had as, a, as an IT business and, and uh, became the IT guru in the, in the town that we lived in and ended up getting a really nice job as the IT administrator when I had no qualifications in IT. It was just you know stuff I had to self-learn and, and all these things that the Lord led me through to build me up in my understanding that He is able to provide. And He is the one that pays my paycheck. It's nobody else. He pays my paycheck wherever I am, however the source he wants to use, he's the one that employees, employs me. So you see that there are areas you get to where, oh, it's a problem. Okay, God, huh, what you gonna do? You know? Or what do you need me to do? How, how do I respond to this? Instead of it taking you out. From the outside looking in, all it is is a taking out of a knees and riding the waves, and it is just... It is worse than the worst roller coaster out there of jarring you back and forth, throwing you side to side, and it's not a lot of fun. That's not the way Jesus intended you to live as believers. He intends you to, for him to, to reveal himself to you and for you to be open to hear and to see and receive revelations about who he is and his care and concern for you. So that you can see it and then learn how to walk that out so that the enemy cannot take your legs out from underneath you. And the stronger you get in those areas, the more able you are to proclaim Jesus' ability to provide for you. And that Jesus sees you where you are. Jesus is not surprised by the difficulties that you're facing right now. And he has means and opportunity to meet those needs by his grace and give you the wisdom to walk you into the provision that he has for you. He cares for you. David said uh, in the book of Psalms that I never saw the righteous, the children of the righteous begging bread. So he is able to provide for you and take care of you in whatever area it is. And you can proclaim that because you live it. It isn't just something that you learned in Bible school or you took a good class online and, wow, God is like this, but you've never walked it out yourself. And as soon as the enemy comes against you, all of a sudden, well, I don't know if I believe that anymore. Because the enemy took you out. You didn't have any legs to stand on. So he wants you strong in him. And he will walk you through some difficult periods so that you grow stronger in him. In your deep relationship with him. Because he loves you and cares for you so passionately. The enemy will throw the kitchen sink at you if the enemy thinks that it will bother you. So our best thing is to learn how to rest in Jesus. So then in verse 3 we see, so verse 1 was on the outside looking in. This is the way it was for all of us until it became very personal. And then we learn to walk with Jesus in us, the light, the word in us. We've seen it, we testify, we proclaim, and it's manifest. We walk out that manifestation. And the last is in verse 3 here. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So the next thing, of course, is outward to those that are around you. It is so that they can see what Jesus is doing in your life, that they can hear your testimony of how Jesus has affected and changed you and, and liberated you. They will begin to proclaim, and then they will walk in the fellowship of Jesus that you possess with you. So it starts from that, that outside crowd looking in, going, wow, riding that wave, to wow, this is a changing my life, to when we begin to proclaim the goodness of the Lord, people begin to hear, that outside crowd begin to hear, and it begins to change their life. It's a long-term marathon process, guys. The whole microwave, it's got to happen in the next 10 minutes, lie, just steals the fun that Jesus has for you. It's a day-to-day -day of trust and learning to trust in the Lord, in the goodness of the Lord. That's what he has for you. 
So one of the last things that the Lord spoke to me last night that he wanted me to make sure that I emphasized is that the power of life and death is in the tongue. The power of life and death. So the power of Jesus and Satan, where the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, are in the tongue. And I will either confess what I have seen, heard, realized, and I will testify of the goodness of Jesus. I will speak the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among it. I will speak the word or I will speak death. And it usually comes from where my heart is at the moment. So when you hear yourself agreeing with Satan, you need to stop and go, okay, Lord, I've got areas of my heart that are not right with you. I need to get this right. Get your heart right. See Jesus. Lord, I need, I need to see you. I need a revelation. I need reality of who you are in this area to become very evident so that I can begin to confess and agree with you and speak who you are over my life, over my family, over my finances, over our nation, over the world, over the war, whatever. Agreeing with Jesus and speaking. Otherwise, if we don't have that, that practicality of our faith in our lives, then really we're just like that crowd on uh, Palm Sunday there that gathered around and we have our religious celebration. Hey, it's Palm Sunday. Where are the little palm leaves so that we can wave them all around like we used to do as kids? I just, I'm sorry guys, I, I get the advertisement to buy those things and it usually like, I saw them yesterday. There's the place I could have got them. But of course, there's no way I could get them and have them here so that you guys could wave the palm leaves. It's just fun to do. But you see what I mean? If we don't really have the practicality of our faith in our, in our lives, where we're changing the way we speak, we're agreeing with Jesus, we're having revelations of Jesus and our lives and heart are changing, then really we're trapped in the, that crowd that just rides the wave. One day I'm good and the next day I'm bad. And the next day I'm good and the next day I'm bad. However it is around us and we are living off the faith of others. Jesus doesn't have that for you. Jesus has your own individual faith your own individual relationship. He loves you, loves so many things about you, and he wants to get to know you and wants you to get to know him individually. The victory. Then Palm Sunday begins all of us together celebrating our individual relationships with Jesus. So we had this really great... Um, um, the men's, Jacob organizes a men's gathering on uh, one Saturday a month. It's the second Saturday of the month at 8 a.m. And Dennis usually cooks up this really fine, fine breakfast. And so men, I, I encourage you to come on out the second Saturday of the month and join that. And uh, this last Saturday, instead of having a question we discussed, we just all talked about the different scriptures that we loved that spoke to us. And it was, it's cool because I love hearing uh, I don't get to go all the time because it seems like the second Saturday is always a Saturday that I'm out of town, <clears throat> just the way it works out. But it might be good that I'm not there because then you don't have the pressure of having to be spiritual around me, you know, <laughs> that weird, I don't want to chase too many rabbits, but I try not to tell people when I'm on outside here when no one knows me that I'm a pastor because as soon as I do, it's like this thing comes over them and they like, oh, how dost thou do today, you know? I'm like, not, right. So anyway, at the men's breakfast, which I recommend you come to, because it's a great way to fellowship and get to know each other and just spur one another on. But I think it was Jacob who mentioned his favorite verse was the white stone. Jacob, wasn't that you? Yep. So he mentioned that, and I had never thought about that before. And he just talked about in, uh, you know, in emails, if you want it encrypted, uh, they develop the technology so that they create this massive math mathematical equation that uh, can't be broken. And so Jacob has the same math in his email, the same equation, and I have the same one. So we are able to talk back and forth to each other secure, and no one else can read our communication. That's what encryption is. Okay? That's how security works on email. Okay? And so, like, and then I can have one as, I can have the same one with you. With you. 
and it can be encrypted in, well, are you too, Linda? And we can, I was, I was looking at Diane, but uh, it's the same way, it doesn't make a difference, but we can go back and forth and it's encrypted and we're the only two that can read it. Your computer and my computer back and forth can have it. That's what encryption, point to point encryption is. And he talked about how when uh, it says in the book of Revelations that, that God will give you a white stone with a name written on it that, that you're the only one that's going to know the name. You too. And he's, he put it in because of the computer mind and that it's like a point-to-point encryption that that is going to be the personal communication point between you and God. And it just hit me. I, Ryan might have even have talked about it, but it, I don't remember whether it was my own brain, Ryan, or, I was, or you were talking and I was hearing. But just thinking about it, and I had this picture of God having, even though there's billions of people, God has this singularly uh, encryption that goes just to you. And you are able, even though He is in the midst of billions of people, to have very individualized, point-to-point relationship and communication with Him. And it's just like, whoa, how encouraging to think that, you know, I'm not lost in the crowd. I'm not one of seven kids. You know, I grew up in a big family. If you grew up, probably if you grew up as the only child, you can, you can probably, that's easy for you. Yeah, I can have personal relationship with dad because you had personal relationship with your dad. I had one of, of seven, you know, it was just noise and it was trying to be loud enough so that dad saw you, you know, type, type stuff in the, in the, the. You get what I mean. So it was just a revelation to me and just kind of a really cool point that, yeah, I can have point-to-point encryption with the Father. I have that now, and I'll continue to have that for all of eternity. It'll just be me and Him at any moment, and it won't be weird. It's not like He's having to let go of Stacy so that He can talk to me. You know, his, his server doesn't get overwhelmed. It's just constant. I'm direct connect. Direct connect, baby, a VPN all the way. VPN is virtual private network. Mm-hmm. All these techie stuff. All my techie friends in here are just going, oh, I love it. Yes, more, more, more tech ling- lingo. Mm. So it just encourages me that Jesus wants that individual with you. He wants you to step out of the crowd and into that. I know it's risky to do that. Because then we have to face those areas where like, you know, I don't know if I want that point-to-point talk in this area of my life. I like keeping this under wraps and out here in the crowd, even if I ride the wave a little bit, you know, in this area of my life. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He's laughing at my uh, movements. Bless the Lord. (sighs) The Lord has good things for you. And I want to pray over you this morning that even no matter what you are going through, because I know we're all going through something. I know we're all facing challenges. And if it feels like you're alone in your challenge, it's a lie of the enemy. Jesus is very in tune with what you're going through at this moment. And Jesus has the wisdom to speak to you. He has the grace to give to you. He has the love for you that you need to speak and to pour upon you at this moment for where you are. That is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is the reality of it down deep to get through today. I want to pray for you this morning that the Holy Spirit would just uh, do a couple things. You would sense his presence. You would see Jesus in a new way, because that's the job of the Holy Spirit, reveal Christ. And you would have wisdom, practical wisdom, the gift of wisdom by the Holy Spirit, how to walk that out and how to have that permeate in your life in this area. So Father, I pray over those things, Lord. You know where everyone is, Father. You know where their hearts are. You know how the enemy is attacking them. You know the lions and the bears, like David talked about, of having to defeat. Father, you know the Goliaths. You know all the situations that are are, uh, trying to discourage, to tear away, to disenfranchise. Father, you know all that is going on, Lord. Jesus, I know you have 
such great care and concern for each one of these individually, those that are watching online individually, each one, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I know you know exactly what needs to be revealed in these situations and you desire to reveal it. So Holy Spirit, I ask, open our eyes. And you can say that if you want. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Let me see Jesus. Reveal to me Jesus, Holy Spirit. Show me what I'm not seeing. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Give me the gift of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Get that? Did you see the words part in there? Jesus. Words of wisdom. To walk out Jesus in my life in a greater way. And lastly, Holy Spirit, I ask you to stir up their faith to walk it out even when the enemy tries to attack in that area. Tries to come back and say, nope, I got control. Jesus, show yourself strong. Overcome as you like to, Lord Jesus. You are the overcomer and we're more than conquerors. That's what you declared over us. And finally, Lord, please forgive us when we have confessed death instead of life. When we've agreed, aggrieved in our emotions, uh, agreed and grieved, I guess it's probably pretty good that I said that, uh, ag agreed with it, Lord, in our emotions and our frustrations. When we've uh, agreed with the enemy that you're not sufficient enough or we're not sufficient enough or, or all the other things, forgive us, Lord. Father, we want to confess your word, your light, who you are, Lord Jesus. We want to be like David and remind ourselves, why am I downcast? I'm going to put my trust in God. We thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, knowing that the vast majority of, of the crowd within a week would be turning on you that you loved them and loved us so much that even when we fail, even when we're riding the, the wave of the crowd, you still seek us out. You still do your part. You're still faithful. So Jesus, we rely on your faithfulness this morning to bring us into maturity because that's what you promised. You're the... Uh, author and the perfecter or the maturer of our faith. We thank you, Lord, for it, Jesus. And we pray in your mighty overcoming name. Amen and amen and amen.